Great. Oh, there we go. We're recording. It's done. We're here. We're just contemplating who owns the rights to Beetle Bailey <laughs> and why there's if there should be a Beetle Bailey movie. There should be. You know, or, you know, or is that called Mash? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, what, what would be the most? Uh, I remember the funny papers. I remember the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be something like. Well, there was a Dick. Tra- I remember Dick Tracy was like a. That was a big franchise movie before that was like a thing. The, yeah. the idea right before yeah. before the the idea that these sort of pre-sold franchises and sort of IPs would be like hegemonic in our yeah. culture. It was a Dick Tracy movie starring Warren Beatty Warren and Al Pacino. Beatty, Al Pacino, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. I remember it was a big deal. But there was like a spate of like weird. I feel like that was around the same time as Hook. Like these sort uh-huh. of like yes. big budget, big star movies that were meant to be like crowd pleasers, but also have like serious like real actors in mm-hmm. them. Right? I, I feel like that was a thing for a while. For a little bit. For a little bit. And uh, I mean, obviously, and both of those, I think, were bombs. <laughs> like, they, they just didn't do I remember. Well. You know, I remember seeing them both. I remember yeah. seeing them both when I was a youngster. I loved them as a kid. Um, I, I think Hook, I have... Uh, I have certain complaints about, but I have my, my love for it and uh, its interpretation has grown with me. While Dick Tracy, I've kind of left behind. <laughs> I, I have not watched either of them in a very long time, so I don't feel comfortable commenting on it, giving, Dick a, Tracy. giving a mature opinion about them. Very odd, very odd. Lips manless, you know, flat top, <laughs> itchy. What's so funny is I. What's what was so funny about the Dick Tracy thing is. It's not like Dick Tracy was a big deal then, uh-huh. right? I no. didn't, like, grow no. up. I mean, it was very much of, like, a previous generation. It's not like I grew up with, like, Dick Tracy, right? It's funny because yeah. the shit I grew up with was Ghostbusters and Star Wars. It was the shit that's big to this day. Yeah, Dick Tracy was very retro. The second wave. It was the second wave, and, and with that is, like, Super Mario Brothers. I mean, it was, yeah, big yes, stars. Yes, in yeah. terms of, like, in terms of the pop culture that, like, meant something to me. Yeah. Right? The properties, to use the fucking fascist word that we use now, <laughs> that meant something to me. Yeah, it wasn't Dick Tracy. It was yeah. Dick Tracy was not like, oh, every, Dick Tracy is the name that's on everyone's lips. Yeah, like, very weird. We need to make this into a movie, you know? <laughs> it was a, it was an oddity. I, it still I, is an oddity. It's 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 one of those oddities that actually I find fascinating because it 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 wasn't up in the zeitgeist of its time. It was just trying to do something with a property that had been sort of known. Judge Dredd at the time misinterpreted by Sylvester Stallone in the 90s. Yeah, but too. I mean, yeah, it's a very yeah. strange, very strange time. A very experimental time. They were throwing everything at the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, this is this is before they had it all figured out. Yeah. Or do they have it figured out? We I, might ask ourselves. I, I don't think they do. This is going to be good. This is going to be a good episode. I'm excited for this episode. Uh we're doing Barbenheimer, of course. Which Barbenheimer. I did. did you do the Barbenheimer? I watched them back to back. Oh, I did not do that. I was no. on I was on vacation. I got back and I I really had like a Saturday night. Where I that's, that's what a long I, that Saturday was the time that was the yeah. time that I had and I was like fine I'll do this shit and now I live down in the South Bay so I don't live in the middle of like industry people movie people and the theater was packed friend of the pod Brian uh, texted me he said if our our movie's back baby I guess they are because the theater Doing very well the both theater was movies, packed yeah. both theaters were packed the concession line was nuts everyone at the AMC Rolling Hills twenty looked very harried. 
Yeah, they look. I, I don't think the, and uh, the, these are newer employees, like younger employees. Well, I mean, it's always newer employees. It's a shit job. It's a shit job. I, I believe the turnaround at ArcLight was one hundred and twenty percent. Yeah, it's not, it's not even <laughs> it a little insane. bit surprising. Yes, uh, it was a, b- a bit insane. Um, it's but, like a hydra. They just cut off the heads and having more keep growing back. But when we, you know, Ben and I worked at the ArcLight Cinemas in Hollywood, it was at a kind of time where it was still sort of popular going to the movies. There, there were, I mean, even but the indies. Theater- is such an anomaly right i mean like sure. like on a big weekend you know like if a big movie was coming out they'd be running a showing every half an hour and they'd sell out yeah. and it'd be a big deal yeah, like yeah, that was yeah. that was you know kind of expected for sure but and but but with that you, you would see it uh kind of lift all ships across the way and so uh i don't think a lot of these employees are were prepared for this kind of i weekend. mean they did fine whatever they, yeah. they, they were doing fine it was no, busy. it was saying. crazy it was hectic but but obviously it people were a lot dressed of stress. up for oppenheimer not even for barbie people were definitely dressed up for barbie but people were dressed up for oppenheimer which was amazing i'm to always me. dressed up for oppenheimer yeah, I'm just dressed, black. I'm always dressed down for oppenheimer <laughs> uh, actually i mean i i mean well we'll get to it we'll mm-hmm. get to dressing mm-hmm. down in oppenheimer uh which one do you want to talk about first? I saw them Oppenheimer than Barbie. Um, that's the order I saw them in. Well, do you do which would you prefer? I don't know. Do you have a strong feeling? Well, I I might have less to say about Oppenheimer only because I liked it quite a bit. Okay, this is good. This is going to be a great episode. I hated Oppenheimer. Oh, I liked it. I thought it was atrocious. Oh, I liked it. We're going to flip on these movies. It's going to be great. I found Barbie atrocious. Yeah, this is going to be great. We never do episodes like this. <laughs> okay. Um, um, well, okay, let's do Oppenheimer. All right, uh, let's do it. Let's, what, what did you find atrocious about? I found it all atrocious. And there are things. I found it unwatchable oh interesting well i didn't find it unwatchable i, I mean it's like there are things that i will agree Cri- with christopher on. nolan is someone who has this desire to like just make me nauseous i don't know why <laughs> i don't know what i ever did to him um it's just like it's like just non-stop just swelling music just non-stop yeah. just scene 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 this is the way that oppenheimer feels like it was written to me it feels like he sat down for half an hour, wrote down a stream of consciousness about everything he thought was interesting about Robert Oppenheimer's life, and then made the movie based on that, uh, yeah, based yeah. on that notepad. Yeah. Without any further editing, without any asking anyone, like, does this make sense? Is this a story? <laughs> this sort of random uh, set of three pages of notes that I wrote about just yeah. as thoughts came into my head. Well, maybe somebody told him, well, in the middle, you should put the big sequence about the bomb. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, probably. I should do that. Do you like that sequence? That's clearly the best part yeah. of the movie. Yeah, and it it's is. the part where his stylistic choices make sense. Yeah, I agree. Right? Like, if, if that part of... But even here... Here's the thing that pisses me off about Nolan. Well, there's many things. M- me too. Me too. Is that he knows that going silent can be useful because he does it at the big moment but that's the only time he does it that's the only is it Hans Zimmer's music or someone stealing it's, it's Hans a, Zimmer it's a Zimmer is it a Zimmer borrowed, clone it's a Goranson who, who doesn't did matter Black Panther, Hans yeah. Zimmer or someone stealing from Hans Zimmer it's just this constant need to just have a constant onslaught of this dark atmospheric music which at this point is like a copy of a copy of a copy of Philip Glass. Mm-hmm. It's just this need to just constantly talk, like, this is serious. This is serious drama happening. 
And it's three hours of that that stops only once in the 15 seconds it, where it, he it, goes silent for the bomb to blow up. Yeah. We're like, oh, you understand, Christopher Nolan. You understand that if you stop this incessant, boring-ass music that you just want to play. He play. They play it so loud that you can't always understand the dialogue. Yeah, it's like true. It's a, they mix the, the music so loud. At least I saw it in regular IMAX. That you can't always even understand the dialogue, and a lot of the dialogue is tin-eared, yes. so you don't want me to hear the dialogue. You don't want me to hear like, and and the nuclear bomb that will be very important. Its its <laughs> creation will be very important. Yes. Oh yes, it will. <laughs> I mean, there's like there's like scenes of dialogue <laughs> that are like nuclear nuclear bombs. That's a big thing. It's like yes, it will change everything. W- will it not? <laughs> right. It's like well, Jesus. <laughs> so I I actually am not in disagreement with you on a lot of these things. I do find the dialogue ten eared, overwrought, uh, too declarative at at various stages. I think the framework is flawed. I think the, the what framework? Uh, well, the framework being uh, <laughs> the uh, you're you're right, but but the framework technically being a courtroom drama. And that that it, it it's, sometimes sometimes and it sways in and out and then it then it has that break. It's it's a courtroom drama except when it's palace intrigue, except when it's the actual doing of the bomb, except when it's like how did it happen science drama, mm-hmm. except when it's just like then we're doing tar near the end of it where it's like his psychic trauma. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're doing this now. We're mm-hmm. doing like his psychic visions. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Like it 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 is in putting into the project at three hours everything that he could conceive possible and it becomes a bit uh you know bit jumbled and the only thing that really keeps it together for me is like killian murphy oh he's great but to me to me this performance is very austin butler and elvis where it's like i feel bad for him because i feel like you're doing great work great work like incredible work like like he's great and you know what there's other actors like like Robert Downey Jr., that's a hard role because he's the one who has to say the most lines that are just like didactic and oh my extreme. god! Well, and and that's that's what the the piece of the puzzle that really doesn't work for me is the Strauss like hearing and well, and, and, and them the, all and them the big, talking and the big and, reveal the big usual suspects reveal is supposed to be that oh he's was the one who screwed Oppenheimer and by the end of it yeah a shrug of the shoulders for of those shoulders. of you at home who can't see it that's the right response like yeah. by that point in the movie like who cares yeah it doesn't it didn't matter. It oh, it's matter. also about the Red Scare. Like, it's just, this movie's just about everything. It it's is a, about it's everything. literally about, it's literally about, like, every idea that Nolan had, like, thrown into it, like, a tumbler mm-hmm. with, like, a tight, like, sequence in the middle where they get to blow up the bomb that, like, should have been at the end or the beginning of, like, another movie. Mm-hmm. That was about like one of these things. It it really did. It should have ended with the explosion and perhaps the the realization. The realization because they have two. They have the realization after, and he has this speech that he gives to the team that might be real, might not, might be in his head, it might be a dream, and then he envisions and uh, this haunting atmosphere. Yeah, then we get to the tar shit where he's like seeing people's faces. Well, and 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 that that. and, and I agree that. It comes kind of out of nowhere, but I also think, you know, with with the touches of, you know, the abstractions that he sees, like he sees particles, he sees the vision, and then he sees what is not an abstraction, what is the real. I think that moment worked for me, but then an hour later repeats the same sentiment when he has the conversation with Einstein. You get to realize what that conversation was, that it was about something more important. It's like, but it's the same, it's the same thing. And so what the movie in its faults, and it has many faults, 
does exhaust you. It exhausts it. Um, it it it's dense, but not in dense in a way where it it it's actually intelligent. Um, I, I I I did tell Katie when I came home that I do think Christopher Nolan makes people feel smarter than they are. Uh, as though they have witnessed or been part of something. That I did is... not feel smart to, no, to but, lose three hours to. That's what, but but he makes other people feel smart, more intelligent. You know, people who are of a, like who are average moviegoers, they're almost part of something a little grander than they could have conceived. That's why Inception feels. And I'm I'm not a fan of Inception. Uh, I think Inception makes people feel I, I like clever. Incep- I like Inception way more than I like. <laughs> I li- but see, I, and maybe because like, the because the clockwork plotting of Inception works. Sure, not yeah, as the some, heist work, not yeah. as something profound. Yeah, but as like I remember when I want like Inception. Nolan's all of Nolan's movies have this stylistic problem of the endless Hans Zimmer music that just feels like. It's just constantly trying to say this is dramatic. Yeah, yeah. This is some real dramatic. Shit. It insists they, upon. They itself. all have that problem, but like Inception does two things well. One, like the plot is like a clockwork, very smart movie where it's yeah. like when they get to the point where they have to do like the three different kicks, like to get out. I'm like, okay, that's really intricately plotted in a way that works and gets to like a big interesting yeah. moment. Sure. Plus, it has some of my to this day some of my favorite uses of special effects because it uses the special effects to do this very weird sort of interesting world building that is not just about big explosions mm-hmm. and wow mo- like the wow moments of like the city folding on itself I love that like I think that that's some of the coolest most interesting uses of like computer special effects that I've seen because it's sort of it's mind bending and interesting and thought provoking as opposed to just being like smash you in the face kind of like wow that's crazy looking mm. so I like inception I even like Dunkirk a lot more in this movie because Dunkirk at least Dunkirk's is like, one of my favorites. Is like focus, is, like Dunkirk doesn't lose its focus on like the core event that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie to me just goes in every conceivable direction and gets nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like the movie doesn't have entry, anything interesting to say about the Red Scare, doesn't? But it talks about it for a long time. It's just like it. It's just like so many different. Like it's, it's just so many different ideas. Like and. Like, there's a good, like, hour 45 movie in here. Yeah. That could have, like, picked, like, like the sort of triangle between, like, Einstein and Niels Bohr and, and, and Oppenheimer, this idea of, like, what is it we're doing? Okay, there's sort of, like, a heady movie about that. Mm-hmm. The idea of him being tortured by it is not, I mean, it's funny because I like it. They make Truman look like a shithead, which I'm fine with. Like Harry yeah, Gary Oldman and, like, a one is, scene is kind of a is kind of a shithead. <laughs> Um, like and like and like his focus on arms control. Okay, that's interesting because there's a real interesting counterfactual. If Roosevelt doesn't die, right? Like and and there's and and him and and Stalin are able to like avert the Cold War, which is just this tremendous like catastrophe, right? Where the United States goes from winning World War II against the Nazis to becoming this very malign and malevolent force in the second half of the 20th century, right? Like, could that have been avoided? Mm-hmm. That movie has that sort of on its mind, but doesn't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that this movie, and then there's the whole his personal psychodrama. Like maybe if it was just him and Florence Pugh sitting around naked for like an hour, I could have been into that. Being seduced by Sanskrit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like, and like, yeah. And then we get the tar scene where they're having the sex in front of his wife in the hearing room. It's like. 
It's like, okay, here's another idea that just, like, comes and goes, mm-hmm. right? It's just like the movie just puts so much of that. There is a lot of scatterbrain. I, and I hear, here's where I think this might work a little better for me. Oppenheimer is just such an interesting figure. And I do find him fascinating outside. Well, yeah, I said yeah. this beforehand. Like, this, it, the idea is right. Like, yeah. this is a... There's there's plenty of good stories to tell, but instead of picking one, he just kind of hints at all of them. And th- this is the problem with uh, with uh, biopics in general. And I am surprised Nolan fell into the trap is that he's trying to establish yeah. some kind of wholeness to a a, a man. While while you could have just picked the Manhattan Project and Los Alamos, and you would have hit all of the various points: the division of the scientists, the politics at, at the time, the security clearances, what what the intention of uh, it as a weapon in theory versus practicality. Just choosing that place yeah, because because yeah. sitting in that in Los Alamos, that chapter, the middle chapter of this movie, works exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah. If your movie is just Act One, you put the team together; Act Two, you make the bomb; Act Three, you deal with the the fall out literally and figuratively yeah sure hour yeah. 45 boom hour 45 That's a movie. Yeah. maybe stretch it to 215 with a little flourish and, and experimentation but this the, is no, three no let's do an hour 45. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay hour 45 but this is three hours and it fills its its time frame uh i i think with er- erroneous choices but in the onslaught of everything that you're talking about why it works mostly for me is in a sense of performance in, in, in a sense that we, we can say that Killian Murphy, as he explores this, and he's just a man trapped in an idea of thought, theory, and then when the, the world of practice comes, whether it's the world of politics, the Red Scare, because like, he dabbles, like he just dabbles in communist politics, but his brother's immersed in it. But that still has, it pertains to his life and functions and moves him outside of the realm of his, of being conceived. And so what I like about the movie in its kind of fractured sense, and this is only me saying this worked for me in my watch. If I rewatch it, I would probably be a little more bored by, by, by its exaggeration, its, its stretch. But what worked for me in the performance is that here's a man who is essentially functionally changing the entire world with his thought theory managerial idea and project that he's that he's taking on and yet he himself is at whims for the world out of his control and i liked that kind of push and pull with that character that 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 he dabbles in an idea of thought and then when the practical ideas come it, they, he thinks about them too late. But, like but, he thinks about their practicality. But there's too an late. interesting irony there, right? Which is that in, in the movie, once again, just touches on this, but never really explores it. It's like, what was Oppenheimer's genius exactly? Mm-hmm. It seems like I don't think he it really seems like was. His genius was as a leader. Yes, yeah. right. Like ironically enough, the right? fa- well, and I, th- I yes, because I think his function is because he's so curious about everything because of of its of science as a function, science as an art. He the, the, the and th- that's where the ten year dialogue gets really on the nose, where he's like, "I see the music, you know, you yeah, do which, see which the music." Which makes him like yeah. Tar, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, yeah. he's like a conductor. Yes, very much. Right? So. And so, if you wanted to go that route, like his psychological inner struggle and the question of like what does his genius exactly consist in yeah well there's a movie there too i agree but once again we just sort of touch on that i guess maybe in that sense you're suggesting perhaps accurately that the movie in some sense is like oppenheimer that just kind of dabbles it dabbles in this question it dabbles, dabbles in, in this, that question yeah, yeah well and 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 i'm that's me crafting a defense and because i agree with you i actually am very frustrated with most nolan films for me i think the subject matter works relatively well i think the core performance 
is the gravitational force for me. And watching him as he as he thinks about these things or he's confronted with these things, there's an elusive, like, it's not direct. It allows you to kind of maybe interpret through these, like, sunken skeletal eyes. The, the more weight he loses, the more, the more it becomes apparent that he has not essentially thought about the practicality of science. He's always thought about the theoretical use. And um, while, while the movie, again, it's not a core there, it only dabbles in these things, I find him kind of lost in the trajectory of his own history, yeah. his own legacy. Very interesting. And so for me, that's why the third hour loses me because he gets really caught up. It, it becomes more of the political thriller. It leans more into the Strauss reveal in those conversations, which are boring and uninteresting. And and I, I get the point. Oh, po- politicians are dangerous. They're, e- they're egocentric. And they're the ones who are self-serving. Yeah, whatever. We've seen these movies before. It's really, it it, 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 it takes away from the examination. If, if it had ended with that first tar realization of that site, the, the psycho and now the, the psychoanalytical haunting and the, and the the horror that was presented to him in his thought you get the right message you end an hour earlier and maybe it hits yeah. in the same in the better way and that that's that's for me i was like man those first 2 hours if it ended there it would have been a really great examination and and let you sit in the ambiguity of the of what this project was and that his realization is now our realization well yeah and and the movie once again alludes to like what these people were thinking at the time. You've got a bunch of scientists, many of whom were Jewish, mm-hmm. thinking like, we need to get a bomb before Hitler. Yes. Which yeah. like, who can fault them for that? No. Who can fault them for that? No. I mean, I'm sorry, like, I'm not going to look back at Oppenheimer, the Manhattan Project, and say like, they were wrong. No, like, yeah. they thought that Hitler was going to get the bomb, and they knew if Hitler got the, science, the bomb, he would use it. Yeah, because the science is there. Everyone's breaking it down I mean, the same I mean, way. Hitler, Heisenberg's working I mean, in Germany. I mean, Hitler's already killed countless millions of people, right? Yeah. He'll drop the bomb wherever. Yeah, he doesn't right? care. Right, he'll drop the bomb. He'll drop the bomb on Leningrad, on Stalingrad, on New York, on Washington D.C. Of course, he'll do that. Yeah, we got to get it first, right? To prevent like the scourge of like Nazi Germany, like the cascading across the entire world, which was clearly their ambition. Yeah, right? I mean, so so like, who can fault them for that? No, no, right? Who can fault them for that? You know, they were operating, um, and what they did is tremendous, right? I mean, it is, it, it, it ranks. I mean, that's, that's sort of the great irony, right? It ranks yeah. as like one of the signal scientific human accomplishments in the history of the world. The closest they get to, they do have a good conversation between, and it, this is in the creation of Los Alamos between Oppenheimer and, um, oh, uh, the, 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 the other scientist who says at first that he's not going to work on it. He's not going to work on the project. And he says, he he goes to create this would be you know is is there's a haunting implication. He you, goes, you mean the Niels Bohr? Niels, not uh, Niels Bohr. Uh, the the um, Kenneth Branagh. Okay. It, it yeah. was uh, his his uh, Jewish compatriot uh, back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know the guy. You're and, talking about. and he says, um, I don't know if we can be trusted with a bomb, but I know the Germans can. And and that sets up the kind of impetus of that project and that core and what what is driving Oppenheimer? What is driving that thought? And again, it is in that core hour of of the project where where you have contrasting personalities you have oppenheimer versus the military matt damon i thought matt damon was going to be poor in this movie i thought he was quite good oh yeah no he he's he's he does well he did, gives contrast well. and, and and then there then you have the different scientists which I, I i did enjoy benny safty 
as as uh, the the Russian uh, as part of the team, and and through these these conversations and disagreements and realizations, that that's where the core of the movie. And so because that was so well done to me and that it ends in as you said and where he pulls back into the silence into the realization of of this bomb and has an exquisite sequence of silence and fire and that that is really haunting yeah it's yeah. a really haunting image i that's where the movie like really worked for me where the faults of the first hour that's kind of dense and overwrought tin-eared result in something that's that that could leave me impactful. And then there's that third hour. And I agree with you. I agree with you. That third hour is a detriment to the entirety. And, of the and like, and like, I agree with you. I mean, Killian Murphy is great, but to me, he's just wasted. Once again, I come mm-hmm. back to, to Butler and Elvis. Like, like, wouldn't it be nice to just sit with him for a minute occasionally? Like, yeah. just let some of these scenes, like, like the movie is so long, but they never let a scene just kind of like open up at all. They yeah. never let a conversation just open up. They never let us sit with this guy for a moment, right? It's always just, boom, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Which, like, that pacing makes sense for the climactic sequence. But, like, for the rest of the movie, like, does it really need to be paced like that? Yeah, it it almost has Malicky and Flourish at the first hour where it's used, but in a Nolan way. Because, you know, Malick uses it in a kind of poetic lyricism and lets you sit and has, like, conversation whispering that uh, promotes the idea of, of what you're seeing in a kind of prose quality of cinema, but for Nolan, it is it's energy, it's fr- fr- yeah. you know, it's fission it's just, fusion, but it's but it's, and but it's, it's just but it's just energy via some sort of trick. Yes, right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not it's yeah. not like, and he just does. He's he's just. I mean, I'm sorry, but to me, this guy is a one trick pony. Like. It, like and honestly, I feel and, like and he, he's borrowed that trick from I, Michael Mann. I, to be honest, I, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, but like, you, Mann will let you sit with stuff. No, no, yeah, no. But he he takes the the the, the trick he has t- taken is the one is one of Mann's tricks, and he he has expounded yeah. upon that for yeah, his entire like, career. But, but Mann is good at like doing. He'll do a real long scene. He'll sit with the scene for a long time, right? And then he'll, you much. know, it's like you go back and forth, right? That's the whole point is you chop it up. Oh, you, he's a much you, better filmmaker. Well, there's no question. I mean, but he's better than almost everyone, right? I mean, like, it's it's no, you know, it's it's sort of praising with fan dames, faint dams to say, well, you're not as good as that guy. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Like, but here's the thing about Nolan, and I, I feel, actually, I feel like Lerman to me is a good cop because, it's like, I feel like these guys in their old age and their isolation as, like, powerful big-time Hollywood directors, they just have gotten more and more the thing that they were. And yes. they just yeah. keep on... And like, whereas, like, one thing that really impressed me about the second Avatar movie in Cameron, who has some similar to Nolan in that he's like a, yeah. in some ways, a preternaturally gifted filmmaker, in other ways, has real problems, is like Avatar, the second Avatar movie showed to me a guy who like learned something from mm-hmm. his first movie and did a better job. Yeah. Like, he, he leaned into what was good about it. He shied away from what didn't work about it. Yeah. He, stri- he made a better movie. Yeah. He stripped some things and fat off of it, you know, the, the, the formulaic nature like, of it and then goes like he to different territory. That, like yeah. the younger people were better people to have like actually in conversation in the movie and that they would make a more interesting foil to what he was trying yeah. to do. Yeah. Right. He understood that. Right. Whereas with Nolan, I see someone who's like getting more and more into the things about his filmmaking that I just don't, that I find unpleasant. I get, right? I get you. I get you. Right. And so like, yes, he gets this great performance out of Murphy. He gets some other good performances, um, he has some sequences, that sequence in the middle that are really quite brilliant. But like at the end of it, it's just like, I just, 
I just end the movie feeling exhausted. I mean, if your big reveal, it is exhausting. If your yeah. big reveal is a moment where that's so lost in the sauce of the rest of your movie that like you want it to be like Kaiser Soze and it ends up like a fucking it, it drops on me on me like a turd. <laughs> it does right like oh my god, it was him all along. It's like Jesus Christ. I mean, like who cares? I know who yeah. cares. Yeah, and uh, that's your big moment. Like that's yeah. your big like. Like I said, that's really supposed to be like a big... They play it like it's a big yeah. reveal. Like it's an Ocean's Eleven style. Like, here's how he did it. Like, he's do, he's doing his own, like, psychological revenge caper in I the agree. midst of this movie. I agree. It's and, and, like one of, like, just a million ideas yeah. that just kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Well, my takeaway when I walked home, like, uh, Katie asked me how, how I liked it. And I said, well, I liked it. Generally, and and there were things I said, but 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 it was that framework. the The courtroom drama doesn't work, and therefore elongates it, stretches it, and distracts it from the core. From the no, core, this is good. Of the you project. should like. We got to disagree. We're gonna have a double well, no, no, disagree podcast. I'm going to still walk away that there are things about this movie that on a film we never filmic, disagree about I know, most movies. Well, we I'm, never I, do it. I, and and these are, this is the biggest weekend of of cinema history. I suppose so. <laughs> Unfortunately, so uh, you know because I'm not I'm not going to be because I was more reserved. If you if if I look through my friends' reactions, I am a little more reserved on Oppenheimer, but in faint praise, like because I do think some things really work. I do think performances really hone in and pull things together that otherwise would have failed had there not been a core actor who was willing to carry that torch and uh, give give me more. Just through facial expressions, you're right. There, there's not a lot of sitting there, but it's it's in his ability. Killing Murphy is one of the most underrated actors, I think, of all time. Well, I mean, he's going to get an Oscar nomination. I for hope this so. One, so. I hope don't, so. Don't you know? He'll get some rates. He'll get some rates. But like, I mean, if you've ever seen like Breakfast on Pluto, you know, uh, the wind that shakes the barley. He's an excellent, excellent actor beyond the scope of what we know him as. And uh, I mean, I've, I've, I even like him in the flawed Danny Boyle film Sunshine. You know, and he's he's he he can hold things in in an interesting, captivating way as a portrayal of character. And I think he understands Oppenheimer in a way that Nolan doesn't. And I think in their conversation with each other, some things work for me. And I, and I, but, but I totally get it. I totally get why this would turn you off because it is taxing. It is exhausting. It's, it's overwrought tenured. And, uh, but, but in spite of that, when it finds its highs, I really do like those highs. When when Nolan can find a, a realm of interpretation that works, I think Oppenheimer, in that core middle, I think works on a level that Dunkirk in its entirety works for me. And so if, because it gets close, I'm a little more forgiving. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, right? If what would be interesting about Oppenheimer's story is like some sort of ambiguity. Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um. Nolan is the least ambiguous filmmaker we have. Very true. Right? I mean, in in some ways, he is like... He is like the heir to a certain kind of like very declarative American-style filmmaking where it's like you don't have any question about what he's trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. and, And in this movie make sure that you know what he's trying to say. Like, like he almost, like, amplifies it at the end. Because, because I mean, I mean, like, if you want to think about what's interesting about, well, there's a lot of things that could be interesting about it. Like, one of the things that's interesting is that, like, nobody really knows what they're doing when they do it, right? And, like, big historic events have this kind of emergent 
situation where it's like there's no way that Oppenheimer could have anticipated the Cold War. No. Right. No. And what the Cold War would amount to. Like it, like I said, it would be this this half a century where like the United States government would go from its highest high, right, of helping win World War II and defeat the Nazis, being the key element, right, that intercedes to defeat this great evil yeah. to being this, even if you, even if you don't think that the United States was a malign and malevolent force during the cold war, it's certainly an ambiguous force. I don't sure. I, like, like, I don't think there's the, like the Vietnam war has like very few unambiguous boosters, yeah. like even amongst people who are way to the right of where I am. Yeah. Right. You'd be very hard pressed to find someone in America who thinks that the Vietnam war was just like, Oh yeah, that was definitely a good thing that we did there. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's just the most prominent example of many, you know, the domestic spying that Oppenheimer is subjected to, you know, yeah. that is that, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. is subjected to. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the United States government that that, you know, kills Fred Hampton. Right. That does MK Ultra, That does Vietnam. Yeah. That terraces through, you know, that that overthrows Mossadegh and Iran and not that that right. We could go on this forever. Yeah. Like like that. This would be at the at the at the at the sort of river's head of like all this shit that would come later. Right, that cannot be disambiguated from our victory yeah. in the struggle to create larger yeah. atomic bombs, and then the Russian. I mean, I mean, Oppenheimer is right, right? Oppenheimer correctly predicts that there is going to be a terrible arms race that will create this doomsday scenario that we live under to this day. Like he correctly predicts that, yeah. although we did eventually get the sort of arms control that he starts to talk about. Like there is ambiguity there that's interesting, but the movie just wants to go in so many directions. Yeah, it's got this whole courtroom drama thing it wants to do. It's got this whole usual suspect reveal it wants yeah. to get to. Yeah, it's got the whole, like I said, the ta- like Oppenheimer as tar kind of thing that it wants to do. It's just, it's so much. And it's I just, agree. And it just... To me, it to me it, it throws a lot of ball. It throws too many balls in the air, and and I'm not sure it catches one of them, with the exception of yes, a brilliant a brilliant performance by Killian Murphy, some other very respectable yeah. performances, and a middle sequence that is like, you know, like it always reminds me of like um like David O. Russell movies, like, uh-huh. like Silver Linings Playbook, <laughs> right? Where it's like I've got this great sequence I need to get to. Yeah, I've got this great dance sequence in my head that I need to get to, and let's get there. Yeah, and how are we gonna get there? Well, who really cares? Sure. Yeah, like I, I don't care. I, the filmmaker, don't seem to care very much because I'm not gonna go to the trouble of making it like particularly enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah. He obviously in uh, adapting American Prometheus, he got too many ideas, too yeah. too many thoughts, too many uh, and and. Again, you know, it's it's about Oppenheimer, and in the end, it's focused on some sort of political figure, and maybe maybe that was his in his mind the irony of it—a political figure that is not as relevant, not even relevant. Nobody knows that name, and maybe to him that's funny, but for everybody else, it lands flat, uh, and I think purposely so. I think it needed to be more interiorized. Uh, uh, he has those flashes. He has that uh, presentation. He has that opening of an idea of going through a man's abstraction and theoretical idea of life and science and the universe somebody who's disquiet you know somebody who is just hearing noise yeah. and and event and 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 now that it's put to practical use again the, i think there are pieces of it i agree with you there's too many plates in the spinning in the air and uh, a lot of them do crash a lot of them do crash the ones that work uh, keep keep me invested in an idea of the work, and maybe that's because I just find Oppenheimer fascinating, and I'm bringing a lot of that fascination to it, much in the same way that maybe Christopher Nolan is doing. He's filling in the gaps yeah, I mean, because like of his fascination. I think, I think it's yeah. I mean, I'll come back to that. I think it's I think it's a great story, 
Like, I think there's a great story there. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just don't think this movie is it. And, I mean, obviously, part of it is just my own. Like, I have a very different, like, like just aesthetically, the way the way he operates yeah. is very is very antithetical to what I like. Sure. You right? know, I agree. Like, I, I agree. Just, I just find his style of filmmaking to be just just overbearing in the extreme. Absolutely. A hundred percent. No, I'm, I'm there with this you on a, Nolan. This is a double disagree, though, because now we're going to talk about Barbie, we're which I thought was Barbie. great. I I just found it delightful. So here's the thing. I did not find it delightful. There we go. See, this is a double disagree. This could be our first double disagree. Double disagree. This could be our first double disagree. This, and by the way, very disappointing for me because I I dressed up. I, I, I was ready to beach, uh, Ben. I You're need you to, to understand. You're ready to beach. I was ready to beach. I dressed up in a Hawaiian shirt color because I, I, I was even going through my wardrobe and I don't have much color, uh, by by the way. No, like no, I'm, no. I'm, it's all black. It's all Oppenheimer. Uh, always ready. Always ready for a funeral, this guy. But even weeks ago, I've told dear, dear friends uh, that uh, Barbenheimer was approaching and people were asking me. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a pagan holiday. I know, doesn't it? Sounds like a pagan holiday. Like uh, Barbenheimer, that's when we, I don't know, like all, we all like roast a goat. Yeah. Like, like, it's like coming. Some, some sort of, some sort of. Uh, it brings together the darks and the uh, colorful people together right, and we right. celebrate. That's right. So on the solstice. On the solstice. And I had told people. I was more excited for Barbie than I was for Oppenheimer. I knew what I was getting myself into with Oppenheimer. And maybe that's why I kind of walked out with the, like, my expectation and some things rose above it. Yeah, because Because I agree with you about um, Nolan. Uh, he is not my favorite filmmaker. He grates me in, in the ways that you have said. And and there there were those faults, and they were very I mean, present. I mean, you, I, mean, you're, I mean, both of these movies are doing very well in, they are. in their reviews. Yes. In so their one reviews, of us, one of us will be in the in the majority. In, in the both. majority, in, in the because I, yeah. I checked, I I I don't look at what other people say because I don't care. Yeah, but um, I think when I checked, it was ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes for Oppenheimer, and ninety percent for it Barbie. Is, so they're yeah. both so, and and audience scores are high for both. yeah. They're both getting a yes. cinema scores. Yeah. So so one of us will be with the majority on both no, movies, I, and, and one I of know, us will be the dissenter, the the fading the popular <laughs> sentiment. Well, and this is why I. This is what worried me as I watched it. I went, oh, no, I'm not having as much fun as I thought I was going to have. And then something crept in my mind. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to explain myself to people. Uh, I mean, that's what we do. That's what we we do do every week. We try to explain explain ourselves, how we feel and why. And why I didn't enjoy this, because I really didn't. I didn't. And there was a variety of things. I felt like even in the sense of its pacing with jokes wasn't it wasn't hitting in the right way for me. I felt a disconnect even uh, at in in, hum- in in the humor of the project, which at its core is a satire. At, at its core, it's trying to invoke uh, you know a fantasy laden world in the same kind of relationship that like the Lego Movie has, which is a movie I do very much like. I really like the Lego Movie. I like I like its ideas. I like its. Uh, it's it's absurdity. I mean, it, it it takes you on a very cartoon ride, and that that is at its core for like it's really Greta Gerwig's The Lego Movie, uh, but oriented in so the Greta conversation. Ger- Greta Gerwig's The Lego Movie Barbie is a funny name for a movie. <laughs> the Lego Movie Barbie, and so 
I don't know. I do know. Well, I do know. There's a lot just, of things just, that... Just air it out, brother. Just air will, it out. Okay. Just air it out, brother. This is a safe space. What I mean, what's, people like movies, people don't like movies. So I found the human... <laughs> that should be the name of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, people like, like movies, movies, people, people, don't, people don't, like don't like movies. You know, it's, it's just what it is. I found the core idea of the movie uh, very thin, very shallow. I, okay. I, and, and even when its jokes come into hamper on an uh, an insight of sorts you know whether it's a character insight to where where i mean essentially ryan gosling is t- turning in what i would say is a multi-functional one note joke performance uh and it's not he's not the only one though i think the entire framework is built upon a single joke from a different angle that then is kind of pronounced and repeated through the entirety of the movie. And so by the seventh, by the second time I'm hearing the joke, it's still sort of funny. By the fourth time I'm hearing the joke, it's starting to grate. And now by the seventh iteration, and then you, because it's all kind of a, an introduction of the same joke, and it builds and builds and builds on essentially trying to find what is the culmination of this uh, punchline. And by the time it finds it, I found it grating and kind of annoying. Um, and that's, that's, that's first of all. And I always, I, I felt like, uh, even with the trailer, I was excited for this movie, uh, had been engaged with trailers, and the trailers didn't grate on me. Like, I was like, those jokes are funny. And yet, in the reinterpretation and the pacing of the actual movie versus the trailer cutting and delivery, there was something a bit off. There was something a bit off on every joke for me. And... And this might be per like I, I it must be personal. Like obviously I am in the minority. I, I do know some people who feel the same way as I do, but I am definitely in the minority from from people and what, what I'm seeing. And so it, it got me thinking about why why that was. Even the the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey joke, which is used as the first trailer, the first teaser, didn't work for me in the in the co- context of the film. I actually thought that that should have been removed entirely. Um, and then we have the narration. By Helen Mirren, which um, narration is uh, narration can work, uh, and especially in a kind of fantasy uh, oriented sort of story, I don't think the narration worked for me. Where, where was Robert McKee when we needed him I know. To, to tell her not to do? Well, it. I also thought it was an odd choice to have a, a kind of double. You have a narrator, and then you also have a figure that is God in this universe, played by Rhea Perlman. And why that they were neither the same person was a bit strange. Interesting. Um, but Helen Mirren also is utilized to over-explain. Uh, it, and uh, I, I actually found it to be a little irritating at the beginning. You know, as as I'm getting invested in the world of Barbie Land, which, by the way, is exquisitely designed. Like they built this place with carpentry and color. Yes, yeah, we're we're a pro practical effects. I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. yeah. Well, I, obviously, I, I agree with you there. No, it's it, it's a stunning locale and in in color and iteration, and then but but as. Margot Robbie is awakening, and we're not getting introduced to the character via her her repetition, and, and it's there. I mean, she she we we have her waking up, we have her showering, we have her getting her breakfast, which then is uh, doubled in the joke that when thing when she's having an existential crisis, it's mirrored in a very negative way. But along with it is a narration to explain that oh, well, Barbie doesn't use the stairs; we just take her and lift her down. And it's like, wait, we know that you need to trust us to the logic of this world and the universe to bring us a part of it. And instead, you explain it because you're a little worried. And it's those touches that then build upon 
with messaging, theme, and character that are all pronounced. They are all stated. They are all directly uh, taken via dialogue, never felt, never weaved in a kind of uh, realm of me discovering or a character self-discovering the idea of the theme. No, it has to be declared, and its politics have to be declared. And uh, by the way, I'm not against girl boss empowerment. I'm I'm there with you. Like uh, th- this idea of of satirizing. Uh, That's interesting. You think it's a sort of I, uh, I I don't know if I think this is a real enconium to the girl boss, but but see this is see, this is interesting to me. You and Greta Gerwig have something in common. That's probably true. Which is that you're both just very earnest people. We, we are. <laughs> you're both very earnest, right? In a way that um, is interesting to me because I'm so not earnest. Sure. Like I'm such an – I'm just kind of an asshole. I'm kind of an antagonist, right? And in that sense – and the truth is Nolan could join the two of you in this because he too is very earnest. Yes. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. Like you don't get the sense of – like what? Whatever I said about Oppenheimer, um, there's nothing arch about Christopher Nolan. There's nothing like that, and and that's funny, right? Because I brought up the tar comparison. That's the great difference between him and Todd Field. Is Todd? Yeah. That is a very arch film. Yeah, I right? agree. I agree. That is a film that is, from you know, I mean, you have people. You you know, one of the Myers Briggs distinction is the TNF, the thinking and the feeling, right? Yeah. Like like, uh. You know, these are all Fs, right? These are all, you know, whatever else I think about Nolan, I I think that whatever he's trying to convey is something deeply felt. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's, like, just looking at it and, like, ooh, isn't this interesting, right? Mm -hmm. No, I I do think he... Like, uh, I think he cares about... Oppenheimer, to be honest, yeah, I think he relates to. I think he, you know, yeah. well, that's kind of hilarious, but <laughs> but I think he cares about Oppenheimer in a way that I'm not. I don't think Todd Field really cares about Lydia Tarr. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's interested in her. That's the yeah. difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there like is your perspective towards the people you're talking about fundamentally one of concern and love, or at least empathy, or one of curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a really that's a real distinguisher. And how people look at people and how they tell stories, right? Sure. Because because and it just gives you a different result, right? There's this is not a good or bad thing, but it gives you a different result. Um, Greta Gerwig clearly to me is a filmmaker of the heart, right? She's a person who cares about these characters, who feels for them. Yeah. This is not an arch movie. This is not a this is not a movie that's like ha ha look at Barbie. How fucking ridiculous is all of this? There are some elements of that, but but but, but, I, but, I, it, but it's but it's a movie that wants to acknowledge that, but then go past it to to to, to speak with love about like the whole project of what is going on here mm-hmm. and how can that project be redeemed, right? How can the project of what Barbie is trying to do, the best version of what Barbie is trying to do, how can that project somehow be redeemed and reclaimed, yeah, right from everything else, right? To resell. But though. it's all about <laughs> selling shit, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, because the, the whole idea of like having a realistic Barbie and then they're like, oh, that's a moneymaker. I mean, I, 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 that this is the thing. The the villains of the movie are not even villains. They, they don't even want to take it to uh, an indelicate. But, but see, that's a, to me, that's not a that's not a bug. That's a feature. Right. Because one of the things that the movie like I, maybe sometimes it's on the nose. Right, but like uh, it's this, this, very on but, the nose. But, but what other good movies are there about patriarchy and what patriarchy really amounts to? The point of patriarchy is there is no villain, 
right? Because we all get screwed over in the end. Mm -hmm. Like men think they're going to get the better of it. In some sense, they do, right? But it just fucks them up too, right? This is this is the this is the classic insight about racism and sexism and homophobia and all this. Is that at the end of the day, we all lose, mm -hmm. right? Because we get tied into some role or some notion of how we're supposed to be that is defined by some shit that just got made up at some previous point for some previous reason, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, like toxic masculinity may be an overused term, but it's a real thing, right? And and it's a real phenomenon that men experience, and it's it's at the it's at the sort of at the the head of like a lot of what's going wrong for for boys and men now is that they have these ideas of what it is to be a man that they feel trapped by, that they feel like they have to conform to. And as their material circumstances diminish, as everyone's material circumstances diminish, they get pissed off, right? Because mm -hmm. they can't be the masters of the universe that they think their fathers were, or their grandfathers were, whether or not they ever were is a separate sure. question. Right? Yeah. So, so, so the villain is this structural force, right? I think that's intentional. I think that the, 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 the fact that the, 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 the quote-unquote villain, the Will Ferrell character, is sort of a joke and kind of a slapstick. Yes, but nothing like, changes with that. They, in fact, uh, utilize the entire uh, mess-up and project to profit again off it, which is essentially, I think, the whole idea of the Barbie movie in general. It's just going to help Mattel in the long run. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah That's but, why the, but, the, but they're, she, they're but like... she changes. That's what's important. She what, changes. But... but she doesn't change through the process. She just has a, a, a Pinocchio realization that she just wants to be real and then have change and then have a, a different life. See, see, I found her performance to be excellent and very compelling. I think that at that scene at the end where she decides to become human is like a very moving scene. I actually and, was not moved by this well, movie at all. See, the, see, this is interesting to me because, like I said, it's so earnest. Maybe, maybe you are more cynical than I am and maybe I'm more earnest than you are. Because I found Maybe. it very, I found it very moving, and uh, I, 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 I found her perform that... her performance to be sort of through the process to be quite, but to it... be quite subtle and and like well executed. Well, I'm not saying that Margot Robbie does not have the capability of delivering subtlety, but I don't think the script is subtle. The script also puts in these moments that are almost non sequiturs to emotion. She's sitting next to a grandma character who we have no idea who that is, and she says, "You know what? You're beautiful." And she goes, "Oh, I know." What is that? I, I get the context of what that means for the movie, but I don't know who that person is. I don't really know what she's going through at this ver this particular moment. You know what? You know what Barbie is going through at that moment? Yeah, no, not really. See, see, see I once again, I just totally disagree. I think that, like, I think that that mo that scene is a very is a is an elegant sort of a way to think about like what would it really be like to emerge from this fantastical world into the real world i mean she's overwhelmed and she's sort of consumed by that that sort of that feeling of like being around sure. actual people yeah. right which she has never experienced in some infinite time span right? i get i get that but it follows these over pronounced uh negative notions of our world where they're having conversations with construction men okay and i now will agree I, <laughs> yeah. what's what's funny about that opening sequence is that 
Um, nobody would regard them that way. And if you were in Venice, which is where they appear to be, or Santa Monica, Venice, yeah, they would not stand out at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, no, I've seen I've seen people ten times weirder. Oh yeah, than, than the two of them like wandering the the boardwalk at Venice and no. Santa Monica, and nobody ogling at them or being like, "Hey, what's up?" No, no. no that 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 did ring a little. That did ring a little. No, it, it false. was ho- false, hollow. It was on the nose. And honestly, it's the, that's where the blurring of an understanding of their the the operation. I know this is a fantasy. You can have any rules you want, but you also do have to establish rules. Like th- this is the key to any fantasy, and the the rules start going a little haywire. Is it because, and we can just explain it, is it because now that they're in the real world, the rules start going a little haywire? What's the relationship? But. She has this ability to have a knowledge, an, an, an ignorance, and a naivete. I mean, that's that's kind of the discovery. This uh, this Barbie character is very similar to say Will Ferrell and Elf, um, very much in uh, who who else? There's there's other characters who come to like the real world from like a fantasy. This naivete, um, like, I can't think of any at the moment. But really, if you think of it in that way, that you know, obviously in that one, it like his innocence and naivete like preserves and brings people more happiness. This is the different kind of lesson. It's supposed to bring her realism, uh, pragmatism, uh, disappointment, uh, you know, what life brings. Uh, and I agree with that. And I, I'm not against that framework. I wanted it, but then she's talking with these, uh, these, what what were the, the, these construction workers. And then she goes, I just need to, I I'm picking up double entendre as though that's something she understands in a kind of language, uh, from the Barbie land. And then also pronounces that they don't have a vagina or a penis. And I'm like, wait, does she understand anatomy? Does she understand the adult world? Is it because she's linked to an adult? I don't understand. But, But then, Ken is very concerned, who should not be concerned, about well, whether he does have a penis. There, it's the illogic of the like presentation. And uh, by the way, this is being I'm I'm a nitpicky fucking guy. Like I do I did want to be invested in a very articulated world of of existence, fantastical existence. It's that then when it comes to the real world, there's this weird uh inability to have a striking or realized rule set. Uh, Ken, when he goes back and has been instructed on patriarchy and horses, now all of a sudden they're building his envision of a Barbie dream house. I don't understand. Is is Barbie Land influencing the real world, or is the real world influence, influencing Barbie Land? Are they symbiotically, you know, sort of connected? It doesn't make sense, yeah. and so, so it's frustrating. So, so, so I I, th- I think that I would I would tease out two things that I do think are are legitimate issues from my perspective. Sure. One is yeah, that first scene just doesn't work. Like yes. in the real world, it's like them ogling or in construction workers. It's like okay, this is that's like you could have done you could have done that more subtly, and they do it later. Like when he sees like uh, a bunch of male executives like kind of disregard a female yes. assistant. Yep. Yep. That happens all the time, yep. and you could have done moments like that that are more subtle and more realistic that weren't just like hitting you over the head with like they're in the real world and it's fucked. Yeah. Right, they, they or, or even like the scene at the school where the the kids kind of give it to Barbie about it. Yeah. I I, I really. By the way, my least favorite addition is the America Ferrera character and her daughter. I think you don't I, like that. No. Oh, I hated it. Hated it. <laughs> there was nothing there for me, and and because she's the one who's like delivering soapbox TED talks about patriarchy, feminism, and womanhood. 
I just I, it was so on the nose of a character. I'm I'm like I, I really don't I didn't like it. I it, it was it was really grating, and I felt no emotional connection to her idea of what Barbie is to her. Like it was just it was kind of just broadly written, and I really hated it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that that's one thing that I guess. I guess I don't have a problem with that speech. I think that there. Um, I liked. I didn't mind her womanhood speech because of the, you know, the contradictions of it. But but what it is is that she then they retool and are like repeating it, and then it becomes these like call signs. I also don't like the assumption here that uh, essentially in Barbie Land, what what has gone wrong is that men have. Uh, manipulated them, brainwashed yeah. them yeah. into subservience. Okay, that, that, that's so. So okay, so the one issue that that I agree with, like about the real world, that first scene to me just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I said, the idea that people would be like ogling her, like Margot Robbie's, Robbie's a very attractive person, Fair. but like this is Los Angeles. Like, there's a lot of very attractive there people are. walking around, and if you went gaga over each attractive person that you saw walking around Santa Monica, you'd be, it would just be weird. You'd, yeah. you'd have some sort of uh, of, a, of an aneurysm or something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, you'd just, be, uh, you'd just be drooling on yourself, right? I mean, that's like uh, like you know, it, it's. I'm not saying that like the two of them skating like that I, I they would certainly get like a couple gl- like a second glance from me i'd be like sure. well that's those are some pretty interesting looking people yeah. but i wouldn't be like oh my god we've never seen anything like this yeah. and then the construction workers i mean talk about tropes right okay like whatever yeah yeah, yeah. that doesn't work i also agree with you that on, on a structural level the fact that they go back and that the kens have just like taken over and there's like a throwaway line about how oh this is like the the native americans with the smallpox blankets like they had no immunity from the ideas of patriarchy I mean, that's that's a little too neat. Yeah, I right? agree. That's a little too neat, right? Because, like, it's very complicated to try to diagnose, like, why does something like patriarchy take hold, right? Clearly, very complicated. Cl- yes, cl- yes. Cl- clearly, there's like a long story to be told about where it emerges from, how it takes hold, how we remain stuck with it long after, like, the underlying assumptions that it's based on have been compromised, right? This is all like, like clearly they want to get to and talk about wanting to get someplace, right? They want to get to the point where they've got the Mojo Dojo Casa House and they've got the the guys guys saying like Brewski beer me, and they need to get there. Best joke is, can I sing at you with my guitar? Okay, or, th- yeah, that can shit, I play guitar th- at you? Th- th- yeah, th- that's the best joke. That that shit is, and, and but also the honest observation of. Like how fragile guys like that actually are, yeah. right? And we've all had this experience, or all cop to having had this no, no. experience. Yeah. Although I'm old now, so I don't. It's not part of my life anymore. But what, where you're talking to a girl at a party and you think it's going well, and then she's talking to someone else, and you start to feel jealous. You're like, I thought this was going well. Maybe it wasn't. Ah, we've all had that experience, and I think it, I think the movie yes. captures it in a very amusing way. But like, yes, I agree with you that like the structural move. Well, like they go back and all of a sudden, like everything is screwed in precisely this way. Like all the all the Barbies just can't handle it. Right. And they all just like fold like chairs because they've never been exposed to the ideas of patriarchy. And then to be snapped out of it, they just need to hear like a couple like lines about like a platitudinal speech. Yeah, that that to me is is structurally a weak part of the movie. Very. But but I guess I guess in a way this is a perfect parallel. Yeah. Right? Or perfect mirror because like there are so many things I so I so much like about this movie 
that I forgive those problems mm-hmm. in the way maybe you felt about Oppenheimer. Because I do think I do think that the moment where sort of um where 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 stereotypical Barbie, where Margot Robbie's character decides like to accept like what what it means to like leave you know this idenic situation to be an actual person i i mean and maybe it's just maybe it's just a thing maybe it's just a thing about having a kid or having a daughter like i found that very moving because that is sort of a that is a very key stage of a person's maturation right is like mm-hmm. i'm going to accept like living in the world with all its sort of messiness right and I think I think that she conveyed that transition and the sort of the stages on the way to that transition in a way that I thought was 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 effective and subtle and moving. I I mean I mean on the other hand, Gosling is clearly a clown, but I thought I yeah. found him effective as a clown. I thought his I thought the way I thought I, his clowning, which is what the role is. Uh, was I, it oh, worked I mean, for me? I thought it was funny. I thought he. I thought he pulled it off with every gesture. It's a joke. I mean, and and that's difficult. I'm I'm not uh, trying to understate any of the performances here. I, I, I loved the sort of breaking into these Busby Berkeley esque mu- musical numbers. I loved the way the movie looked. Um, yes, it is very earnest, but um, I forgive it its earnestness. You know, you know, may, maybe that's the opposite problem. Oppenheimer is so unfocused. Barbie is so laser focused on what it's trying to say. Um, but it, it, but, it, but, but it doesn't want to get there it, with without it, this tool of again. It, 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 it's it. I think both movies suffer from the same kind of condescension. They want to over pronounce. They want to over dictate what their message is about. And and it's very, it was very frustrating for me with Barbie because it started to take fate. It started to take place for what was supposed to be fun. And uh, not that fun cannot have a message intertwined, but I, I thought it was going to be a little more personalized existential. And instead it becomes a kind of societal assessment yeah. that that i don't think works but but see here's where you and i read the movie differently right because like you started by saying the girl boss thing to me we start with the girl boss right the the idea of the barbie world is the girl boss world right sure. that is the girl boss ideal right and we don't end thinking that that's the solution the solution is more ambiguous and more problematic than that so i to, to me to me the movie is about um is about dealing with the ambiguity of like knowing the problems with where we've come from, but not knowing exactly to where we go. Right. Or sure. how, how we move forward and but how, it, and how halting and difficult the process is of midwifing into midwifing a new world into existence. Sure. Right? Like, I don't think the movie ends on a note saying like, yes, like, like the if anything, the movie ends on like the idea that like the synthesis that we have to achieve is, is out there beyond the horizon. And the best we can do is just kind of um, just slowly grope towards it in and fits fi- and starts. I'm fine with that ambiguity. I'm fine with that complexity because I actually think it, that 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 is a realism, like the realism of like a, coming to the the real world and how it is slanted um, 
uh, or you know perceived slanted as it is presented. It's a li- they present it as a little more slanted. I mean, mo- women have a little more power these days than what even Barbie is presenting. Because I mean, most fifty uh, percent of women are doctors. Fifty percent of women are lawyers. I think mo- even majority of them yeah. are. Yeah, although although it should be noted that that you know. Uh, Greta Gerwig operates in one of the worlds where there's the greatest yeah, well, we, gender disparity. And and we we won't get into why that is because Hollywood is so backward. Is almost kind of like has instituted a backwards quality. It has not yeah, progressed. Yeah, uh, but, but but that's why I mean I think I think that the movie is um the movie is indict like 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 the idea of like Barbie as a figure as an unproblematic figure of empowerment is kind of the um the pure distillation of a sort mm-hmm. of of a sort of like um, liberal notion, right? That like we're just going to have like we're going to present the right idea, uh-huh. right? We're yeah. going to have the right idea out there, and that will be sufficient. Sufficient. I I guess I I wanted a little more of a, you know obviously in these two worlds we have in the real world it is slanted in the idea of in the empowerment of men and patriarchy. And then you have at the matriarchy that, that is a hundred percent. And, and I suppose the progress of Barbie land and its matriarchy and allowing even a, a small judgeship, you know, for one of the men, one of the Ken's to be included. I get the joke, but I also thought the experience of how they have essentially in, in, in operation and in pure operation have ostracized an entire populace within the sense of Barbie land, that maybe there would be a little more growth. And the joke is through narration. That's like, well, maybe they'll get as much power in Barbie land as, as uh, women do in the real world. And I'm like, wait, I think there should be a better ideal presented here. If we're going to talk earnestness, if we're going to talk about what is the goal, then honestly, it should be about, then maybe Barbie Land takes the better step forward, yeah, and and should be representative of that. But they they instill this division, they instill that parallel, and I just I thought that was a missed and lost opportunity. Yeah, well, but but like the but I mean, it, there's a little bit of a disconnect, right? Because the the parallel of Ken's in Barbie Land at the at the status quo ante of the movie is women in the fifties. Yeah, that's the commentary, right? Yeah. They're where women were in the fifties in America. They're yeah. not where women are today, and I don't. I don't think the movie is is suggesting that that's a perfect parallel, right? Yeah. So I guess they end with like this sort of, you know, well, there'll be slow halting progress for you, just as there was for women in the sixties, yeah. right? I, I but, mean, I, so so, but but you know, the, a fantasy world can operate by different rules, and I feel like it, it could have it, it could have ex- extended itself in a, in but a it more productive. But it would have been antithetical to what the movie's trying to say. For them to just wave a wand and everything to be I'm egalitarian not it, I'm not in, saying in Barbie land. I'm not saying it needed to be absolutely egalitarian. But there, there is a minor suggestion that they are second-class citizens. Like that, oh, no, there's, that, no, they're definitely still second-class yeah. citizens. I don't think that's a suggestion. I think that's a fact. But, like, what, you know, like, like the movie starts with the idea, right? And this is a liberal, this is an old-school liberal idea, right? That, like... By creating a cultural product with the right idea, Barbies, right? They can be anything. Tell girls they can be anything because Barbies can be anything. Yeah. Barbies can be the president. Barbies can be an astronaut. By presenting people with that cultural product, 
that's the good thing to do and that that will sort of lead the way yeah and that will be the tip of the spear right to like bring about the this egalitarian world so the movie the movie is like the idea that you can just kind of have the one right idea and that that's just going to blossom into like sort of the good outcome I mean, the movie is explicitly an indictment of that very simplistic view, and to that, and to that, that sense, the movie tracks my my general sentiment about these kind of social problems, which is that there's this, there's always this tremendous gap between what we know and what happens, and the frustration that exists within that gap. Mm-hmm. Like we all know, I don't say we all know. That's but it's commonly accepted amongst anyone who you'd want to like have a cup of coffee with, right? That like sexism is fucked up, right? That like this idea yeah. about about women's place is fucked up. That even like traditional ideas of gender and gender roles are fucked up. Although eventually you start to brush up, brush up against like whatever the the sort of culture war bullshit of our day, mm-hmm. right? But like but like what to do about it, and like why does us not why what, the fact that we know it. And the fact that we seem to have progressed on some level, like, why hasn't it gotten better? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, so, like, why haven't, like, you know, why hasn't the, like, you talk about, like, women's educational outcomes have gotten much better. Uh, women's admission to higher education has gotten better. Women's representation in the professions has got better. But the higher you go, the lower it gets, mm-hmm. right? The higher, you, the closer you get to the top, to the White House to the boardroom, to the upper levels of executive management, the worse it gets. Like, why hasn't this changed, right? Mm-hmm. And this could be, we could, this could go for any social problem, right? Like, we live, in, we live in Los Angeles, terrible homelessness. Everybody agrees it's terrible. Everybody knows the solution. But we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Why is that? And that is an existential dilemma. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you live in a world where you know that what you can do and who you can be is going to be circumscribed by forces that you cannot touch mm-hmm. and that you cannot control and that you cannot change. Yeah. Right. And that everyone will sort of agree are not everyone, but like most people will agree. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's bad. Would that that were different. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Even people who are reactionary and who thinks that, that this is all some, gender bullshit right they would still accept the principle that like everyone is should have equality of opportunity and should rise on their own merit like even they would accept that even if they don't see what the where the problem comes in right so how do you live in that world well i think the movie ends on a, an appropriate note of ambiguity sure right although are there people are there moments in the in the movie where people are didactic i yes incredibly so why do they do that well i'm more charitable to that because i feel like that's like you know, people people go through the process in their own lives where they need to articulate these things. Yeah, I, I, I it didn't work for me in like, that way. Like, I, I, I did not need and, and to the, have it laid in. And the because, truth is that maybe that's just because you live in liberal Hollywood. Because the maybe, truth is that 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 speech is not something most people. But would but embrace. The, in the same way, Ben, like you know, we talked about like don't look up. And who who's the audience for then? You know, this the, is if this is supposed to be it, the the most of the jokes and how they're 
like weaved in and the assumption of Ken's are men as idiots. The assumption of patriarchy as kind of this buzzword and, and the, the people knowing this is not going to win over people like in some sort of way with didactic speeches in an over declaration. It's just to pat you on the back. And that's what I don't like. I don't need to be patted on the back for understanding and agreeing with the tapestry of a movie. I need to be confronted with an idea of its reality. And I agree with you that because of Margot Robbie, uh, and I, I, you're right, I need to give her just as much credit in kind of keeping things sort of together as, say, Killian Murphy does in Oppenheimer, because you're right, there, there is a core there. I just, uh, I also don't think the writing and the framework serves that particular journey in a whole, in a whole kind of sense for me like it, it just did not amount to the same work it had we focused deeply in on her sort of trajectory and not this like messy jumbled blend of going back and forth real world to barbie world and just uh you re, you know filling in the gaps with the same kind of iterations of jokes of Ken's and their jealousy or their being ridiculous or their being misogynist and then having this whole you know storyline of brainwashing and being woken up by didactic speeches. I don't need that. I didn't need that in my entertainment. And it kind of dragged and bored me. Uh, it took me out of what could have been an investment and engagement of this fantasy world. And then how does an ideal be confronted in the idea of reality? There are, there are pieces of that. I just don't think it really coalesced and came together. And I think it's because there's this fealty to corporate parameters, you know, a fealty to kind of a corporate idea of a of the what what, what people read into the idea of Barbie, and then this whole idea of Barbie as self discovery. I I think I agree with you that it is kind of dancing around that that because Barbie can be anything, it it opens up this kind of world. And we need to orient the understanding of Barbie around that and not its kind I, of perceived I mean, negative. I will say this. I think in terms of like a corporate property being in any engaged in any sort of self-criticism, like this is as far out as we're going to see the boat pushed. Oh, I, I yeah, I agree. And I mean, maybe, how, I mean, and maybe that was, the, I mean, how, how maybe, many, maybe the attempt was like, Oh, this is kind of sad. I don't need this. I mean, I mean, how many, how many like Batman movies have we been forced to endure where Batman, who is like a fascist, yeah. has been like celebrated? Oh no, I get right? it. Like, I mean, I like, get it. Like, like I don't think we're seeing. I don't think we're seeing that that um, iteration. This, this yeah. is this is this is the high water mark for a corporation allowing its product to be a, a sort of scorned or lampooned. Well, and I get that, and maybe it was because of its. It was the best it was going to be. Maybe that depressed me. And maybe I just didn't, uh, I, 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 I just kind of turned off from that idea. I don't need to be patted on the back for agreeing with your politics uh, or, or an assessment of the social ills of our world. I don't need to be uh, speechified at. I And also the, the jokes kind of got repetitive to me. And so it lost me on a, on a multi-wavelength that I, I you know, it, there, there was just a, road to no return at a certain point. And for me, the last kind of 10, 15 minutes of Barbie were more excruciating because my patience was lost than the last hour of Oppenheimer, which I also didn't like. I, I just don't know. It lost me at a certain point. And while, while I, I, I can see people having a good time and having fun, I don't know. It, it, it was the amalgamation of all those things that it left me in the, it left me behind. Yeah. 
Yeah, see, I just I didn't I didn't feel patted on the back at all. Oh, I did. I, well, but that's maybe because was... your politics are better than mine. <laughs> no, maybe your politics are better than mine. Because to me, that feeling of righteous anger at the problem, which you feel like you can articulate, but no path to the solution that you can see. Yeah. To me, that's that felt very much like like the world as I experience it. Sure, but I, it it came in a very I think unconvincing performance from America Ferrer. I I needed more of that relationship. I needed more of the backstory. It was all very formulaic and prescribed. I just didn't buy into it. And that's kind of key. She's the one delivering that frustration. She's the one delivering those ideas and bringing that, you know, in in lifting a stereotypical Barbie out of that existential malaise that maybe even though she can't do anything about it that that, you know, maybe that's life and you have to get on and do what you can. Uh, I get the point. It's all very told to me. Um, I just didn't feel it. And uh, that was a big problem. Okay. This is good. We did a double disagreement. <laughs> double I love disagreement. it. I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, this is the last up-to-date cinephile. No, I'm just kidding. I guess, I guess we'll, we'll go out on top, right? Bar- <laughs> no, I'm just Bar- kidding. Barbenheimer is the greatest uh, cinematic weekend <laughs> we'll suppose, ever see. I know. I don't think we'll, we'll ever, ever get anything like it again. Although, you know, back in 2008, Nolan had his own Barbenheimer with uh, Dark Knight and uh, Mamma Mia. They came out the same weekend as well. <laughs> I mean, uh, Maybe we'll have another. <laughs> uh, it was great. So, so, so to follow up on our um our sound of freedom discussion. Oh yeah. Uh, when I was at the theater, I oh. uh, I uh, maybe I'll post this when I post. I think I'll, I took a picture of it. I'll post it when I post the uh, episode. Um, there was a flyer. In fact, let, let me pull it up. Let I have not pull, seen this. Me, you haven't said. Let me let me pull let me pull it up. Uh, you do a little uh, hold music here. Do a little song. Do a little, do a little soft soft shoe routine while I pull up this photo because I want to read to you the text of this. I would love to see it. I want I want to read. To Sound you. of Freedom. Uh, One hundred million dollars at oh, the box Jesus office. Christ. I mean, I guess it was the doing. Of I do, Jesus, I do Jesus have to Christ, say I do have to say uh, IndieWire did an interesting write up about. Uh, that people are yearning for original IPs. And uh, the fact that even though Barbie is a known product, obviously this interpretation is different. Oppenheimer is a biopic. And then you have Sound of Freedom that is uh, obviously, you know, feeding into the maw of some kind of conspiratorial political thought. But people do want original content. And I think... um, well, okay. It, it is an interesting so, so, kind of thing. So, so there was a stack of these flyers sitting. Uh, someone had. I, I don't. I'm guessing the person at the AMC maybe just hadn't noticed them. Um, <laughs> but they were sitting. They were sitting somewhere near near the there. near the front of the theater. So this is in. Um, this is in big white sort of block lettering. This flyer is maybe I don't know the size of a postcard. Sex offender pedophile. Do you know your neighbor? Do you know your family member? Oh, my God. Be safe. And then it's got an address, a web address for a government website that I'm assuming is the the, the sex offender registry, which you can search. Yes, it's, you can. It says public information. There you go. You can take a look at that. Uh, and, 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 of Jesus. course, and what's interesting, right, to, to bring it full circle is that we're living in an age where now pedophiles are the communists, right? This is, uh, yes, this is, yeah. this is the... This is the red scare that we live in is that we were surrounded. We need that. We are surrounded not by um, communist subversives, but by pedophiles, that they're just, they're everywhere. 
and uh, they're coming for your children. And, um, you know, I'm sure um, that stirring up that paranoia is going to end well. Oh, I'm yeah. sure that this is going to end well in, a, in, a, um, in an armed society where, uh, where people have become convinced that literally just everywhere they go, yeah. the people they know pedophiles pedophiles so that's um that's where we're at yeah indeed. that's where we're at indeed um it's it's a so, complicated world so you hear a sound whether it's the sound of freedom you're hearing <laughs> i can't say <laughs> i'll leave it to you to decide what sound that is you hear in the distance indeed uh but it is something yeah there is a sound um out there so uh you know bear that in mind uh when you uh <laughs> when, when you uh I hear a you, faint chime yeah that's what yeah. i hear yeah. Um, so uh, it is sort of uh, it is sort of history repeating. I think mm-hmm. we can. I think we can with all these reflections on on history, uh, social, political, and otherwise. Uh, history is repeating in a new form um, as we enter the great um, pedophile scare of uh, the twenty twenties. Yes, heading into another another enjoyable what will be doubtless be a very enjoyable election season here oh my God. in the good old u.s of a you know i think i'll find the same sort of enjoyment you will out of it so oh geez <laughs> oh geez we shall see we shall okay that's good double disagree um my name is my name is ben i yeah. do the dead reckoner Substack. his name is kyle i know movies and you don't Kyle's life, I think, is is generally improving. It is, but you should still send him money. Oh, thanks, I appreciate. You should it. still send him money. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back. I don't know. I'm actually going out of town again for a little while. I don't know what the next movie is coming well, out that we need to talk about. The big one is Talk to Me, the horror film. But uh, it might be a reiter, you know, a, a revisit. Is on that our, the one with the hand? It's the one with the hand. Yeah, we don't need to watch that. Oh, okay. Well, if if, if you're comfortable not seeing, I, it. from what to watch I understand, that. it has similar commentary as say like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, so cool, if we've cool. already we've visited it. it. We've yeah, it. we've done it. It's But more demonic. It's about like getting high. It should of, be called Talk to the Hand. Talk to the Hand. Talk to me. Talk to the Hand. Talk to the Hand would be yeah, a better name. I, th- I think I, I agree we'll with you. We'll call back to my youth. But that doesn't sound creepy enough, you know? Yeah, you expect more. This is an A twenty four. You expect more or... humor in a talk to the hand than maybe a talk to me. Well, then why don't we set the next one? Because you are going away for a little while. Why don't we, if if we want to vi- visit uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Definitely, I'll watch that. Yeah, let's do. I'll that. I'll watch that. Uh, that we'll, like Carolina might. We haven't even got a Carolina review yeah. on that one. So we'll, we'll do that when you when you get back. Excellent. Sounds good. Uh, did, did did you were you there early enough to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Barbie uh, I trailer? Was. I thought I that was, was funny. It was cute. Yes, I like a spe- if you're gonna make me watch these fucking trailers, like give me like a weird tie into another movie. Sure, at least I'll perk up for that. Yeah, all, everybody's like cross promoting each other. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm we didn't fine even talk about that. The, how they just sort of fell ass backwards into this Barbenheimer thing. My mom, like, like so, like you, you, you are more deep in the social media conversation. Sure. I try to keep it like a level. Where I feel like if something bubbles up to me, it's like an actual thing. Sure. Like, I try to modulate where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. So if it bubbles up to me, I'm like, well, this is a real phenomenon. I'm not just chasing rabbits. Yeah. My mom isn't, isn't in the water. She's not even in a coastal village. She is way inland from the social media commentary. So if she knows about Barbenheimer, that means it's like on the national news. Yes. Yeah. Right? That's where yeah. she's getting her information. Yep, it is. So I, this was a, they fell ass backwards because of some spite play of 
opening a movie up in Gestapenheimer because Chris Nolan, like, um, that's his weekend. That yeah, is, every yeah. every movie. Uh, I mean, obviously, Tenet got moved because of the pandemic, but that it was slated for that weekend. Well, that well, is his well, what's, weekend. What's fu- I just think it's funny that out of sheer spite, they fell ass backwards into like a very effective marketing campaign. Well, and because so, I mean, it's it's and like, honestly, maybe thanks to it. And, and and probably word of mouth. Like I said, I know I'm in the minority of Barbie. I know a lot of people but, are but, enjoying but, it, but it made 160 million dollars. Fa- like you can't you in this in this sort of brain scrambled age, there's no substitute for getting people to actually talk about something and convincing them that something is an event, yeah. like something is a happening. And they turned this who I don't even who the they is for what value of they we maybe is the answer somehow. We'll use the passive voice here. This was turned into an event. Yeah. And that to me is, like I said, my mom saying Barbenheimer to me while I was up in Wisconsin. Shocking. It's just like, what? <laughs> you just, this woman doesn't see movies. Yeah. I think the last time she went to the theater could have been for JFK. What? So, I mean, this is not <laughs> a, she's not a part of the film oh, going population. <laughs> uh, but there you go. So it's very interesting to me. Interesting yeah. cultural forces afoot in many different directions. I don't know if I have any sort of insight on it it's just it is it is a weird to emergent to, emergent to phenomenon that yeah. i think is Within, interesting yeah well we okay, did it button, barbenheimer did it. i'm gonna i'm gonna name this episode barbenheimer do so, it, do uh, it. <laughs> so we should name it oppenharmy uh, oppenharmy we'll do that we'll, we'll, we'll just do like a series of different <laughs> uh, iterations of it uh well we'll talk to you soon all of you Bye-bye. okay buddy